Hello, this is Adam. This is Tara. And this is Brian. And this is Basic Snitches. Hi. Hello. Brian is here. I'm back. Finally, he read. He <laughs> learned how to read again. I did. So. So proud. It's such a long book. And yet we are oh like almost 200 pages in. So. Mm. It's like a fourth in. Wow. Yeah. I think we are 200 pages in actually. Yeah. I would always read it and like compare it to the first book, and I would be like, oh, so like at this point I'd be like one chapter away from the end of the first book. Right. Oh, at this point I would be like 20 pages from the end of the first book. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's, like, not even close to halfway through. No, like, we're like, oh, we just got to Hogwarts, and it's page 200-something. Don't they get to Hogwarts way sooner in this one than in Goblet of Fire, though? Feels like. Because I'm pretty sure Goblet of Fire... Actually, no, because, I mean, I guess it makes sense, because this one, chapter 10, is Luna Lovegood. That's when they're on the train. I think it was, like, chapter 11 in the fourth one. Some of those first chapters of Goblet of Fire 2 are meaty. Oh, my God. So... Well, I mean, hi, this book... Some of the chapters of this book are meaty. Yeah, we haven't gotten to some of the meatier ones, but it's going to continue to get meaty. Ooh. So today we're going to talk about chapter 10. Ten. Luna, Luna Love, Love Good. I love being a part of things. So before we do anything else, just want to real quick give a shout out to all of our amazing patrons who help us take care of all of the things we need to pay for to do this podcast. We're going to start with Nisi, Ashley, Mary Beth, Brian, Brittany, and Olivia. If you are a patron, you get extra fun content. More of us being our adorable and fun selves. It's only $3 a month. This week, there's a fun little exclusive coming at you where we're just going to basically play a ridiculous game. So our next patron will get some exclusive merch from us because we love you and you'll be our Harry and our hero. So join today. $3 a month. By our Harry, that means you're our seventh whore. Crux. I was the sixth one, right? So yeah, you're a Nagini. So <gasps> that makes me Nagini. You're a Nagini. I'm a snake. I'm a sneaky snake. snake. <laughs> Brian wishes he was a Slytherin. I do, but I'm the least bit Slytherin. <laughs> me too. That's my lowest percentage. <laughs> me too. That means Nisi is, is diary. the diary. I forget the, re- the how the rest of them went. I don't know <laughs> but all the others then. Y'all can just uh, fight over which ones you want to be. Figure it out, yeah. But Nisi is the diary, Brian is Nagini, and seventh person is Harry. And uh, Olivia, Brittany, Ashley, and Mary Beth are all the other shit. Chapter 9, the woes of Mrs. Weasley. The loser of Chapter 9. It's because I just hate him. It's Mundunk, it's Fletcher. Yeah, Solid. That Fucking sounds, hate that guy. That is accurate. Really, he didn't do anything exceptionally bad because he, he, I just hate him. The winner of the chapter, I finally settled on Mrs. Weasley as the winner of the chapter. There are a lot of people who really are just lovely in the chapter. I love the way that Harry and Lupin especially kind of care for her at the, at the end of the chapter when she's just too overwhelmed to handle that boggart. But I'm giving her the win because she opens herself to being vulnerable in front of Harry specifically. And thinking about her history and... Even though she wasn't part of the order the first time around, like how real this is for her. So, win for Mama Weasley. Yay. Very nice. Who wrote a thing? Oh, Brian wrote a thing. I wrote a thing. Here we go. Luna Lovegood. Harry wakes up from a bad dream. He sure does have a lot of those. And is woken up by Ron telling them that they need to hurry so they won't miss the train. 
Don't want another Ford Anglia situation. There's a lot of screaming between Mrs. Weasley and Sirius's racist mom, and there's just a shitload of chaos in the house. Amidst the chaos, Sirius insists on going with them to King's Cross in dog form. Molly eventually gives in and allows it. They all arrive at the station and say their goodbyes. On the train, Hermione reminds Harry that she and Ron are better than him now, and they have to go up to the front car with the other prefects. Hashtag you can't sit with us. Harry goes with Ginny and they come across Neville who says every carriage is full. Ginny points out a carriage with only Looney Lovegood in it and Neville was clearly trying to avoid that one. They go inside the carriage and are introduced to one of the best characters in the entire series, Quen Luna. Yes, Adam, I'm giving her Quen status with or without your permission. Bitch, she already done had it. <laughs> Don't think you're special. Luna is a quirky girl who is reading a magazine upside down. Totally normal. Neville shows everyone the Mimbulus Mimbletonia that he got for his birthday. He pokes the plant and it immediately shoots liquid everywhere. Unfortunately, this isn't the fun type of liquid we like shooting out. Wink, wink. <laughs> of course, this is the moment that Cho Chang comes by to say hi, right as Harry is covered all over with his creamy liquid. Luckily, Ginny knows all about cleaning up liquid messes and does so quickly. Eventually, Ron and Hermione show up and give everyone the tea on the new prefects, one of which, of course, is Malfoy. At one point, Ron says something supposedly funny, and it literally kills Luna dead, and she just can't even. When she's doubled over from laughter, Harry notices the magazine she was reading and goes to read it. There's an article about Sirius and how he's actually a singer of a pop band, The Hobgoblins. Let's be honest, if Sirius were part of a band, it'd be called Why So Serious. Harry realizes the magazine is pure garbage and Hermione informs him that everyone knows that. Things get hella awkward when Luna says her dad is the editor of the magazine. Malfoy comes by and is a dick as usual, but now he's a dick with power and not the kind we all like. Before he leaves, Malfoy makes a comment that he'll be dogging Harry's footsteps in case he steps out of line and Harry and Hermione become nervous that he may know about Sirius being at King's Cross. They arrive at Hogwarts, and when they step off the train, Professor Grubbly Plank is there to take first years to the castle instead of Hagrid. Harry is greatly concerned about this because where's my boy Hagrid? They arrive at the horseless stagecoaches to go to the castle, only now they're not horseless. They are now being pulled by strange skeleton horses with wings. Harry asks Ron what he thinks they are, but Ron can't see them. Harry thinks he may be going mad when Luna says she can see them too, and that Harry is just as sane as she is. Ruh-roh. This is a long chapter, man. A lot of stuff happens. Yeah, sure is. Solid thing. So the beginning of this, there is a little hairy dream, and then it like erupts into chaos. I almost feel like as the books progress, the chaos before they head to King's Cross Diagon Alley or whatever, it gets like more and more extreme. And a couple like little things that happened here, other than Harry's dream. Something happens to Ginny. All I wrote down was poor Ginny. Okay, so Fred and George bewitch their trunks and they knock Ginny down the stairs. I'm like, guys. Right, like they're out of control with We can do magic now. Right. I mean, here's the thing is that I feel like these children probably have endured a lot of minor injuries from each other, trying spells, probably not Percy, but I'm sure that Harley and Bill were trying shit when they were allowed to. And they probably injured their younger brothers, you know, maybe not Jenny because she would have been way younger, but it's probably happened before. But like Jenny's the girl, you know, whatever. Right. But also, guys, come on. Yeah. 
She's but the youngest. She's the girl. She is tough as fuck. She's God one of the yeah. toughest among them. She really is. But if you compare it to us <laughs> and our siblings, I am certain there are equivalents of this exact same thing happening. Something happens and your little brother, little sister falls on the ground, scrapes their knee, and they start crying. And then, don't tell mom and dad. And oh, yeah. they go and tell yeah. mom and dad. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that Jenny didn't tell her mom. It just happened, probably. For her. Yeah. Probably. You know, and, I mean, if she fell down a couple flights of stairs, it probably was not good. Yeah. Poor thing. When they're leaving, they run into an old lady with curly hair and a pork pie hat, and she's like, why, hello there. What's going on today? Or something like that. Who is yeah. that? That's Tonks. It's Tonks? Yeah. No. There's, there's another... Yeah, there's another woman. What are you talking there. about? Well, um, you like... guys have already left the house. There's like a whole page no. about racist bitch. Oh, I don't oh, really yeah, care about have, racist bitch anymore. You may have jumped ahead. Because they talk about the guard because they're mm-hmm. extra oh, protective of Harry yeah. right now. Sturgis can't be there. Right. In terms of like the chaos happening, it's like Molly's screaming, racist bitch screaming. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's just part of the course. That's what she does. Right. So it's like part of that. And then they all finally get out. And then they're <laughs> on... The street and this woman approaches them. It's Tonks. She says her to- her Tonks like, "Watch your Harry." Yeah, that's Tonks. She says that all the time. Holy shit! She's in disguise. I was like, "Who the fuck is this random lady?" I didn't pick up on that at all. I love that it's Tonks though. Yeah, Tonks is fucking great. Amidst all of that, is there anything else that happens that is like super crucial? I mean, serious. Right, yeah, yeah, and talking about not being able to come. Right, Sirius was insisting, and Molly eventually says, all right, fine, what's your funeral? Yeah, they take Harry, and everyone's kind of separated in different groups and stuff, and I appreciate that there's this overlying tension because Sirius is there, but he, like, you know, chases cats and tries to entertain Harry. Like, he's trying really hard to lighten the mood, Mm -hmm. which is the serious thing to do, and honestly... (laughs) I just appreciate that because Harry doesn't realize how shitty it's going to be when he gets to school. There's hesitation, knowing that this is not going to be an easy entrance into the school year like it has been. It's just like a nice little bit of fun and lightness, I guess, before. And unfortunately, you know, it turns into him being concerned because they think about Malfoy. Right. At the moment, I'm like, oh, I'm glad Sirius did that. It's also serious, of course, they mention he's been inside this whole time, and so he gets to be out and be a dog. Yeah, it is worth bringing up Sirius here, too, and that excitement of returning to Hogwarts. That's, like, kind of what he represents, almost, which is ironic that it's Sirius, because he's trapped, almost, Mm -hmm. you know? When they do get to the platform, too, Sirius and Tongs have really, really nice goodbyes here as well. Yeah. Um, Sirius, obviously, like, it gets up on top of Harry. <laughs> that sounds weird. But you know, No, he, yeah, he does yeah. the, the front paws on the up. shoulders. And then yeah. I thought that was funny because... They hate like a dog. And I was like, that's what dogs exactly. do. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's yeah. the thought I had. This exactly. is music, like, act like more like a dog. I'm like, I've seen dogs do that. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, I love it's it. adorable when they do that. And then, doesn't Tonks say something? All I wrote Tonks was... Tonks hugs Hermione and Ginny, like saying that it was, just, it was nice to meet It's been nice movie. meeting you all, yeah. See you soon. I don't know, does she have a goodbye moment with Harry? There was something just no. poignant, I think, yeah. about that to me. We have applauded Tonks this entire time. Because she, she's amazing. Yeah, she would be the one person from the book that really fits yes. in basic snitches. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I think we said that in the last episode that just got published. Yes. 
Because I oh. thought that sounded familiar. Because I'm caught up with the podcast now. Yes. Proud. Congratulations. That's probably the biggest achievement of the summer for me. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, anytime like Tonks is there, it's worth kind of noticing the way that she interacts with them. Unless she's dressed as an old lady and you completely miss it. Like I did. So. Yeah. Well, because it comes right after, I think, Harry. Harry says, where's Tonks? Where's Tonks? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we made a little old woman at the corner. Like, and yeah. she says the Tonks line. Yeah. So I appreciate that Hermione is right on top of the mm, serious shouldn't have been. Yeah. Because she's she so would. aware. And like Ron is like, oh, lighten up. It's nice to just kind of feel them back in that groove of it. Ron is being Ron. Hermione is being Hermione. And the twins are like, we got business to do. Like everything is like, oh, this is nice. Right. Because it's not going to be. So I really want to like pull out those moments you're like, oh, that's a nice typical thing that happens. Those right. are good moments. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. While we're talking about it, this is jumping up ahead quite a bit, but when Draco says the thing on the train about dogging you or whatever, mm-hmm. he says he's going to raw dog Harry, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's basically In it. Fact, that's something exactly about doggy what style. It is, I, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh, is he referring to Sirius? And like, he's worried about like... You know, if Lucius and Narcissa notice the dog and then reports it or, and he puts that guilt on himself, which we've seen happen so many times. Mm -hmm. It's all interesting to to think about that. I don't even know if I would have thought, oh, like Draco is on to me. I personally have always thought that Hermione kind of planting that fear back into Harry's head because I think beforehand, Harry is probably seeing what Mrs. Weasley is saying and be like, yeah, this probably isn't a good idea. But then... He has that lovely time with Sirius and kind of lightens the mood or whatever. And then it's, oh no, actually, yeah, Hermione has brought this up. So I think it's the forefront of Harry's mind, too. But I think he's just paranoid always now. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it's a transition, obviously, because they're going from Grimmauld Place to Hogwarts. Throughout this chapter, the mood wavers so much. Like, there's this chaos. And then there's the sweetness of Sirius and Tonks throughout this whole thing. But then they get on the train and he can no longer sit with Ron and Hermione. Mm-hmm. Right. And then some of this other stuff with like Luna coming in, I think is another like upswing. But then you also have this like foreboding thing in the background of everybody looking at Harry and the Daily Prophet being bullshit and all that. Among all of this, what it makes me think of is how different this year is based on what happened last year. Mm-hmm. There's this like undertone tone of it in this entire chapter and i bring it up now because i think when he gets on the train and he can no longer sit with them that is such a big symbol of like how things have become different and it's not obviously related to cedric dying and all of that and voldemort being back but it's just another thing of like hey everybody's growing up it's It's a way for them to grow up yeah well so i want to ask you guys his opinion on this when we get to hogwarts Ginny goes to sit with her other friends Right. But I think they get on the train, and I really think that Ginny senses that Harry is feeling, like, just completely out of place. I um, personally I do. Think so yeah. I think she could have absolutely chosen to go sit with her friends. Which I think she does in the fourth book, when he goes to sit with her friends, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione go find a compartment together. I could be remembering that wrong, but I think that it's interesting to see that she stays with Harry, and they meet up with Neville, and then, of course, the initial part of that is... Harry with three of them. I've never really thought about it until this time around. I was like, I think Jenny chose 
to stay with Harry. But I, I mean, obviously, who knows? But that's my thought on it. I would agree with that. Yeah. Me too. And in fact, goes without saying that the fact that she does that means this is where we see the Silver Trio all yeah. together for the first time. I think that Jenny, much like probably her oldest two brothers, even not like Fred and George, I think Fred and George are a different type of outgoing people, but I think that she has such a positive sense of self now that she's been through all of the stuff and she's recognized so many things and she's been her summer. I mean, she heard Harry screaming at her brother and her friend minutes after he arrived. Like, she's not unaware of things and she's probably like, just gonna why they work so well obviously in the future and I know that this is so controversial about them as a couple. I think that they're very in tune with each other as friends in a way that they don't realize. And then I just love that Neville pops up and he's excited about a thing and like it's just a nice little moment. I think it's good to talk about Ginny and Neville at this moment too as parts of them because those are the ones we're obviously familiar with. And I like thinking about how they represent different almost elements and stuff. Sure, cue them at witchy music. Some of this also has more to do with Luna and what she brings to the table. We got Neville, who is like the earthy Hufflepuff element, even though he's not Hufflepuff. And then we have Ginny, who is this fiery, energetic badass. Mm -hmm. And Luna adds this Ravenclaw air quality here that we've only kind of seen with Trelawney. I like that Luna comes in here. There are so many times where I've been like, why do we wait for Luna this far mm -hmm. into the series? It kind of made sense for me to get this element of whimsicalness in this instance. And I mentioned in the past how I think Luna is not introduced until book five because this far into the series, we see elements of good and bad in Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, not really too much good in Slytherin. I think even up to this point. Yep. So there's that, but like it's at least, you know, a compelling house that people are drawn to. But Ravenclaw also follows that same trajectory. There's a lot of Ravenclaws who end up being not great. Could say Cho was a good example of one that does pop out. There's Trelawney, so on and so forth. So there's like elements of this, but there isn't like a Ravenclaw at the forefront quite as much. So it's nice to see her coming at this point and represent that, I think. Right. That's my little thing on Luna and how she just compliments the other two so, so fucking well. The first introduction of Luna, I think is perfect. They jump right into giving us this person that is interesting, but you're not actually 100% sure how you feel about her right away. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you're yeah. supposed to, because Harry's not sure how he feels about her. And something else I will say about this is, you know, because like Neville pisses his cactus off and it like squirts the stuff and then Joe comes in and Harry's like wishing he was with cool people. You know, there are times when I'll read that and I'm like, oh, Harry, come on. And then I'm like, I get that. It's such a teenager thing. Mm -hmm. To be like, oh, I wish I was with someone cool. Honestly, I'm sure he would feel differently if he wasn't covered in stink sap, you know? Yeah. He'd probably be, like, feeling less like these are uncool people. Even with Luna and her Upside Down magazine. Like, the whole situation. Even though I'm like, oh, Harry, you're better than that. I also get it. Because I'm like, I'm sure that I have been that person as a teenager. I remember the first time I read this book. And being like, is this supposed to be someone that I like? Do I care? Is this person important? Ugh, she just is so refreshing. Refreshing is like a perfect way. She is. She's refreshing. I think. Yeah, I would definitely agree. She's refreshing because I feel very different from 
any other student character that we've met, especially. I'm trying to remember how I felt about her when I first read the book. Because, I mean, I've been in love with her for so long Mm -hmm. that I don't remember if there ever was a time that I didn't. Understand her, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I always tend to love, like, the quirky character. Phoebe in Friends has always been my favorite. You know, she's the quirky one. She's very strong spirit. That's actually a good comparison, too. During our 100th episode, I was sorting the Friends characters Mm -hmm. into uh, houses. I said that Phoebe is the Luna of Friends. Yeah. Yeah. She's a Ravenclaw in the style of Luna. Exactly. A little bit more about Neville, too. I think this is a little bit obvious. It's great to get more about him right after the photo of the original Order of the Phoenix, Mm -hmm. recognizing that his parents were there and that backstory. But I think also leaning up to what we're going to end up seeing, we all know that it's not something that the movie covers, which is a fucking shame. Mm -hmm. So seeing that and getting more Neville and his like affinity towards plants and stuff is, is really great. I love seeing Neville like in his element. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. normally Neville is so just, like, shy and not confident at all about, like, anything he's doing or talking about. But then he comes in with this plant, and he's so happy oh, about yeah. it. And he's so, like, excited to share knowledge. Neville's not used to, like, knowing things that other people don't know. Yeah, he doesn't and get to have a thing, you exactly. know? Exactly. And so, like, seeing him, like, find his thing and be able to, like, talk about something that he really loves and that not everyone knows about, it just ugh, makes me so happy. It makes me happy. And it also makes me happy, like, so he got that from his uncle. So, like, yeah. his uncle recognizes that. Someone in his family recognizing him as having a strength. Mm-hmm. Is really huge. Then eventually the prefects return. I think, you know, it's good that you had mentioned the plant coming over all everybody, Cho coming in. Those are all important. When the prefects come back in, we learn who all the other prefects are. (laughs) We previously had talked about Dumbledore's poor prefect choosing in one of the previous episodes. Why in the world... Would you choose Draco and Pansy? They're chosen from a literary standpoint because, oh, of course they are. They're the ones that we are aware of. Yeah. From my understanding, Draco's actually very good academically. That being said, why the fuck would you give someone like Draco any kind of power? I mean, it's the same thing that I had said previously of like the star football player isn't going to be a great RA. The best person academically also isn't necessarily going to be that. And that we had said that about Ron. Like, really, like, why would you choose Ron? Hey, maybe even Hermione isn't the best person. She has a lot on her plate. It's an interesting choice. I like that they made a point to use that to remind us that Ron went to the Yule Ball with Padma Patel and throw in character names that we've heard before, mm-hmm. too. Obviously, we spent more time with the Hufflepuffs in the second book. And the fourth book, Ernie McMillan and Hannah Abbott, we've already heard those names. But, like, who is... Anthony Goldstein. Anthony Goldstein was, like, one of the first people that we hear who we don't actually ever learn about in the first year because he was... Right, he got sorted. We get a sorting, you know. So it's it's an interesting little thing to be like, well, yeah, these are people we've heard of, so we might as well. But also, fucking pansy. Oh. Seriously. Dumb. But out of character for Hermione. Be like, that cow, Pansy Parkinson. Like, that's a bit harsh for her. It she's is not wrong, bit. but I'm like, Hermione, she's just kind of coming to the, she's like, I mean, this is bullshit. Like, she's already over it. Didn't Pansy kind of, like, directly oh. attack Hermione in the fourth one? Like, not physically, but, like, yes, with yes, the whole Rita did. Skeeter thing and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But at so, the same like, time, I'm like, feels like, I'm like, oh, Hermione's fired up. I think on the surface I agree, but pointing that out, I mean, she probably still definitely has those feelings and stuff. If that hadn't happened, if I If it were think... just the three of them, I think, I wouldn't be like, 
Ooh. But there's a person in the room she literally doesn't even know. She's just like, being very not Hermione-ish. I mean, I applaud her, honestly. Hey, why not? I think as they grow up to, we may see some of those rough edges around them as well. It's perhaps not really a Hermione thing from the past, but... One more thing about Draco. When Hermione is saying to Ron, Ron, don't abuse your power, and he's all like, oh, like, Draco wouldn't. Like, I'm gonna get his mace before he gets mine. Why does Hermione think Ron would be abusing his power? Crabbe and Goyle gonna be earning detention because they suck. Yeah. He's not wrong. You know... Actually, even like after they get off, she is like, I'm going to report Draco because he's blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, that's what you should be doing. Right, it's, that's that's fair. <laughs> it's not an abuse of power. Ron is doing the right thing. And then Hermione kind of does it right after as well. Yeah. So I wasn't the only one who saw that. I was like... Yeah, like I didn't think about it in that moment. But after the fact, I'm like, wait a minute. But it's already something that you guys should be doing. One other thing that does come up here, and it's another Luna quirk when she's like you took Padma to the ball and they're like yeah I know I found it delightfully open honest and authentic honestly that's who she is yeah yes. it kind of established right from the beginning that Luna will say what is on her mind mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's actually quite nice what it makes me think of is like Luna has maybe been idolizing them and being like, oh, I want to be friends with them. And hey, like, I noticed these things about you, you know? Yeah, maybe it comes off a little bit creepy at first. But I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I've never thought of that before. That Luna would be idolizing them? Idolizing might be the wrong word. But, uh, but, but like, hey, paying I be attention your to them and being like, hmm, I'm going to be friends with them? It could very well be like, hey, I like your shirt sort of thing. Like, aware and I'm like, I'm noticing things about you because... I think you're cool and I want to be your friend. Luna has a pretty tragic backstory too. Mm -hmm. Her mom was dead. Yeah. Right. She might feel some kind of kindredship already with Harry. She's watched Harry be nice to people, even though he's Harry. You know, she watched what he went through last year. She's an observant person. I would be willing to bet that there are several characters who we never meet, who are people at Hogwarts, who are like seeing all of this unfold, who are just in the background and who can sympathize and who would absolutely fall into that kind of category, you know? And Luna's the one we get to meet, and she gets to be that kind of person who was very observant. Mm -hmm. So there's no way she would think otherwise, honestly, I think. I but totally think. Yes, it's awkward, but bitch, who isn't awkward? I was going to say, I don't want to be that type of person who just automatically has the social cues, but that would have been kind of nice. That, I was like, that so, would actually be nice. But. <laughs> but like, everybody is awkward in their own way, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The other big thing that happens with Luna here is the quibbler. And we did kind of mention it when it was in Mr. Weasley's office earlier. My question about the quibbler is, I mean, I know what the answer is. This could be a misinformed attempt at like a Fox News alternative, if you will, with the uh, Daily Private being fox news a tabloid or it could just be fucking straight up fake news from like let's relate it to like the q news if you will q in quotes right. which one is it i think the quibbler is the buzzfeed of the harry potter world i could see that i could see that but i think that you know there is some elements of fakeness here that are like untruth i'm not saying buzzfeed is always right all the time but i do think that it falls into that tabloid thing it's a bit tabloidy but there are truths that are in it so that's i think maybe why the tabloid thing feels correct it's also just a complete opposite people who are writing for the quibbler and, and whatever they're probably people who know that the shit that's being put out in 
the Daily Prophet is not to be trusted. And maybe they're just trying to throw something else out there to you lighten the mood. I don't know. There is some merit to it being a not Fox News type of thing, you know? Yeah, like it's, it's a left-leaning tabloid. Yeah, sort of. I would say. I don't think it's the whole fake news thing. There is like more of a gossipy feel to it. And let's be honest, the fucking Daily Prophet is also very gossipy and very ill-informed as well. Yeah. But, like, what news, you know, unless there is, like, an NPR kind of version that is, like, just simply the facts and there's no embellishing or entertainment value to the news. Because, like, technically, Fox News is not a news organization. It's categorized as an entertainment organization. Mm -hmm. Right there it tells you that you shouldn't be, like, taking that as, like, gospel, if you will. And yet... Obviously, like, I respect the Quibbler more than the Daily Prophet right now, but there's still some stuff there mm. that's like, mm. Well, again, Hermione's like, mm. I think that she's just in a mood in this chapter, and I appreciate that because you're teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Like, she can't always be the person who is sensible and, like, keeps her tongue, you know, quiet and doesn't respond to things. Like, she's just like, this is fucking shit. This whole day, you know? That's exactly what She really is. She's not the Hermione from before. She's a teenager, wise beyond her years, but she's also being a person that reacts to things. She's had a very chaotic day. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. Everything from Sirius shouldn't be here to being a prefect is a new thing for her Mm -hmm. as well. And then realizing that she's in the same category as that pansy bitch. She's a little bit on edge and Mm -hmm. things did not go as smoothly for her today as she would have liked probably. And I get it, man. I'm just like... You go from Ryan. So they get off of the train and <laughs> speaking of chaos, it's still the chaos of like first years over here, etc. Everybody get to the, your carriages. And Harry's like, where's Hagrid? Yeah. That was like one thing he was looking forward to. And now obviously Hagrid is off getting the grops right now. Right. He's getting the grops. Yeah. And they figure it out in the next chapter. They're like, um, he must be still on that like mission. Or whatever. So, like, Hagrid will come back. And, like, we did establish in the last book, too, that Grubbly Plank is is fine. We don't dislike Grubbly Plank. We don't. She is in the place where she's going to receive the negativity from the trio because of their loyalty to Hagrid. Mm -hmm. But they're all aware that she's actually good peoples. Did you guys talk in the last book when Grubbly Plank came in? What is she normal? Like, what is she... I think she was, like, a retired sub or something. Yeah, Mm. that's what we think. Maybe she has her own like little greenhouse that you can come and buy a greenhouse fuck never mind <laughs> i was thinking like professor sprout but no plants and creatures are different a little bit yeah but who knows she might have like a little farm where she has magical creatures because hagrid replaced professor kettleburn i wonder if because professor kettleburn was like busy you know losing limbs to nefarious magical creatures and probably spent a lot of time not in the office because he had to recover from life-altering injuries Maybe they pulled her in years ago. Like, she's just kind of been there. Oh, they're over here trying to replace the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor every year, but they're like, Care of Magical Creatures is fucking dangerous. <laughs> and she's like on standby. Like, she lives in Hogsmeade, and they're like, We gotta call. I don't know what her name is. Wilhelmina? Yeah. We gotta call Wilhelmina again. Kettleburn lost another land. So, I like that idea, actually, that <laughs> because the whole thing of the Defense Against the Dark Arts post, you know, she probably has her own specialties. So, let's say, okay, let me go back to my whole thing with Greenhouse, because, I don't know, Grubbly Plank, to me, sounds like Herbology. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Maybe those are her specialties. Like, obviously, later, we get another sub to come in when Trelawney is not there. Yeah. 
and those are clearly that creature's speciality and stuff. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's like, you know, I can sub in for paramagical creatures and, in my mind, herbology. <laughs> and maybe potions. Like, it's all kind of maybe combined. It's like earthy, natural things that are out, that are out there. Who knows? Whereas Ferenz, later on, he can come in and do divination and astronomy or something like that. It's the same thing of like a sub who has a speciality in like science and math isn't going to be the best sub for English. Or speciality? Something. Specialty. Whatever. Speciality. I love it. I love Don't speciality. Critique. Don't critique my unique language choices. Also though, like understanding that because we're people who, you know, grew up in public schools, that sometimes that sub that you're going to get definitely is like, they were a history teacher and they retired and now here they are in your English class going, well, we're going to watch a movie today. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's just what happens. Yeah, you know? that's true too. And it feels like Hogwarts does not have an abundance of people like this to go to. So Grumpily Plank is probably on standby all the time. Yeah. So maybe she has filled in for other things, but I think that you have this idea of her having like specialties and stuff, I think is... Specialities. Specialities, yes. So I think that's important. Now I'm having this image of in the third book when Lupin was sick after mm -hmm. his werewolf nights. Oh, yeah. I'm just getting this image of, oh, well, Lupin's out. We should call Grubbly Plank and see if she can come teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. And Snape is like, nah, bitch. I got this. This. this is my moment. This is mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Seriously. I'm free. I don't know. That's my, like, study hall. That's my free period. Don't yeah. you have to teach potions? No. That I is tell funny. them to turn to page 394. Yeah, this, this is, is very yeah. important. I have a very important line that I have to get out right now. Now, the other thing, of course, that happens here, other than Hagrid missing because he's getting the grops. What are you eating? Stuffing. Oh, stuffing. Ew. I don't like stuffing. Mm. I did not have a traumatic stuffing incident when I was a child. I just you're, don't. You're allowed to not like things. You're not a bottom. That's why you don't like stuffing. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> At first, my brain, like, did a oh, somersault. I, I like, literally I, watched that like, happen. Yeah, like, my eyes rolled back into my head and I was like how do I react to this <laughs> positively <laughs> at the end of the chapter and like may, perhaps we talk a little bit more about this in the next chapter or we could do it now we are introduced to Thestrals we're not necessarily introduced to that because we don't know what they're called mm -hmm. yet but the dark and gloomy skeleton horses and I looked up like etymology to see like okay what does this come from and literally the etymology is dark and gloomy but also apparently in the Quidditch throughout the ages book kestrels are another creature that are referred to I don't remember like what they are but I don't I'm like was there like some <clears throat> sort of mythia myth mythology that's another yeah. one I'm making up all the words you know what good for you thank you good mythology you. mythology it, was there like a mythological <laughs> creature that festivals were based off of I couldn't find anything uh, oh I was gonna look up kestrel oh yes. thank you yes yeah because I found what are festivals based on kestrels are dark birds of prey with white patches below their eyes it says perhaps Rowling combined these birds with the mayor of Doom. What? Who? I don't know who that is. Oh, right, the author, author bitch. This is a kestrel. That, that looked like a normal-ass bird. I don't know. It's just a normal-ass bird. It sounded like you said orchestral. Orchestral. Look, here's an angry one. How about that one? Ooh. He scratched. Ah! Very specific. He's a mad kestrel. <laughs> I'm trying to find like a dark-looking one, but they're actually kind of pretty. Here's one that looks like it's about to attack something. It's kind of an art print, but still. There we go. Kestrels are real. Birds. If y'all want to see those so pictures, go to Google and search for them. That's so. right. Because <laughs> I'll forget what I pulled up and I'm not going to put them on the Instagram. No. So I don't know if this is worth making it into this chapter <laughs> since 
like the details of festivals aren't discussed until a few Let's chapters discuss later. Them now. But I won't be here for that one. Yes, so do it. You know, there's always been that argument of like why wasn't Harry able to see festivals before because he witnessed his mother die and then people are saying, Well, he, you know, was a baby when that happened. He didn't really like witness the death and like understand what was happening. But he killed Quirrell. So he didn't actually kill Quirrell. He like but handicapped him. The movie very was. much alters everyone's vision of that. Harry is like unconscious and Dumbledore actually saves Harry in the first book. True. The fate of Quirrell is not actually spelled out clearly. It's just implied that he is dead because Voldemort took over so much of him. But yeah. Harry did not kill Quirrell, and Quirrell was still alive when Harry loses consciousness. Yeah. I think there was something about Fair. him being in like the hospital wing, and then maybe later on he died from his injuries <clears throat> or something like Yeah, that. I don't really know how the fate of Quirrell is, is explained um, now that I'm not thinking about it directly, but I do know that Quirrell is very much alive when Harry loses consciousness. Yeah. The first movie follows the book so well, and then they are like, now Harry murders people with his hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Harry, you attacked a teacher. Killed one first year, Hermione. Keep up. Preferred method of murderist with his bare hands. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. And I and I'm that does not help anyone yeah. who's trying to fucking understand how Harry can see Thestrals now. I like to think that literally you have to watch like the life leave their face. You know, even in the movie... There's like the shot of like the light like flickering and baby Harry's like screaming and I like to think that it's like in another room or he's not able to see like Lily from the back. I don't know. It's like has to be a direct thing or maybe it is just that his brain was underdeveloped and I mean, he was a year old. You know, I don't remember understand. shit from like when I was twenty five nine. 36. Terry's just saying numbers now. I just don't remember things ever. Terry's a goldfish. No, Terry's a potato. A goldfish potato. Goldfish potato. That's your, like, secret agent name? Goldfish potato. Goldfish potato. No one would ever suspect me of anything. Remember when you were a potato candle? Now you're a potato goldfish. You're just all these versions of potato. I do what I can. Speaking of potatoes and the fact that you tend to eat a lot of potatoes during this time of the year, my last thing about this chapter is that... <laughs> I tried to make a transition. <laughs> Trying. Okay. This entire chapter has that, like, spooky season feeling to it. Going back to Hogwarts, it has this autumnal feel. The Thestrals bring in, like, a Halloween thing. So I just wanted to, to finish it off by saying that's how I feel about this chapter. I like it. Despite all the, like, ups and downs that happen. This is the part of the book, it's not in the next chapter, that Luna tells Harry, I can see them too. It's really important to note that even though Harry is like, I'm not sure how I feel about that, he's also just desperate for that connection. And it actually mm -hmm. says right in the book, Can you, said Harry, desperately turning to Luna? He could see the bat-winged horses reflected in her silvery eyes. I think that that's, like, the first connection for them. We should talk about the movie! No! We should play a game. We should play a game and then talk play about a game. Movie. Tara has a game. I do. What's the game? This game is called the headphones. Yeah. I hate this game when I'm the person on the receiving end. Am Maybe. I on the receiving end? We are both on the receiving end. Oh, Maybe I will take well, it no, You're on the receiving end. I am participating. At, I'm never on the receiving end, if you catch my drift. Jesus Christ. Like you said, I'm not about. Oh, because gay. Yeah. Oh my God, gay jokes. The way that we play this game is... Oh, I know. You do. It was in one of your... Oh, yeah, so it was one of the first season. ones. And I'm caught up with the podcast now, so... Oh, yeah. Uh. I'm going to put on some Britney. Motherfucker. <laughs>
It's supposed to be loud. No, it's just... It was, oh, it beeps? It was yeah, like a these connecting are sound. Weird. It was just like, beep! Yeah, I was due with that, too. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was wow. not ready. Okay, so make sure you test so we can't hear what you're saying. Can you hear me? Okay. Here we go. You're not going mad or anything. I can see them, too. Can you chunk it up a little bit for me? Monkey see, monkey do. You're not going mad. Tonight we are going back... I, I need you to do it again. I got nothing. You're not going mad. Were you just quoting the book or were you saying something else? Okay. All right. You're not going mad. You're, you're going to have to go back. Okay, I'm positive <laughs> it's tonight we are going back. Okay, what's the next part? I can see them too. I eat pussy too. <laughs> That's definitely what you said. I can see them too. I like the sound of you. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, so it makes <laughs> Okay, is there another part? Okay. You're not going mad. You are Wait, not, you are going, not going, going to bed. You're not going mad or anything. I can see them too. I'm going to bed. Do the second part again, really quick. I can see them too. I can see them too. Oh my god! You're as, as, you're as sane as I am. I can see them too. Whatever. Whatever Luna says. Okay. Are we done? Yeah, you're done. Oh good, the music literally just finished. You're not going mad or anything. I can see them too. I can see them too. Okay. I got the, I forgot what the first part of that was because that is like sensory overload, man. That, that was stressful. I hate this game. <laughs> what did you say? I, <laughs> I'm not going to bed. I was like, you're not going back. Oh, yeah. See, I thought we're going back. And then I was swore it was, I can eat proceed too. But no. I okay, I got the last part. See, I think it's fun. I hate that it's too stressful. <laughs> oh, the movie. The movie. The movie. Apparently, Brian is attracted to Voldemort because he's sitting Listen, there on the platform. And I like a guy in a suit. What can I say? Yeah, and I'm I was sorry. like, his skin is <clears throat> the texture of foreskin. Why do you know that? Because look at him. I look at uh, Voldemort as a human now, and I'm like, he looks exactly like my dick. So anyway. <laughs> Points? Ready? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing with Voldemort being in the train station and Harry, like, seeing him is a little weird. But I also understand that they're trying to establish that Voldemort is clearly in the forefront of Harry's mind. Right. The, whole the foreskin? He's in the foreskin of Harry's mind. Jesus. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about Sirius and the picture and all of that. Ah, the, the big difference. So, yes. what I will say is I appreciate we get to have the little Sirius Harry moment, Sirius in human form. And you've got, you know, Mad-Eye just hanging outside the door, making sure no one comes in. Also that silhouette shot of dog clearly turning right? into You're man. Like, That's not suspicious no at all. No one noticed it. This whole movie, they're not taking the precautions like they should be as they are in the book. Like, when they were flying around from Privet Drive to Grimmauld Place, they were like, Woo, this is Woo, look at London! Oh, let's go right past this ship of right. people. With no protection, no disillusionment charm. Movies are fun. Same here. Like, ah, cool, I'm behind a wall that is translucent. No one will be able to see this. Yeah, Loop, no I'm a notice. human. Now. 
It's, yeah, but I will say, you as when we were watching it, that you like it better that Sirius gives Harry the picture. And I have two different feelings about that. So first of all, I like it for the purpose of the movie because we don't have time to do the backstory on all these characters, but we get enough information from it and the way that it's presented in the movie is very nice. But it's also so completely opposite from how it is presented in the book with Moody just showing it to Harry. And and he has like an adverse reaction. Yeah, and it's a different type of reaction. And so, yeah, I like it, but I'm also like, mm, I wish that it was the other way. But then I'm like, but I really like that, you know, they get to have that moment together. So both sides of it, I suppose. Yeah. I think it fits a little bit better, and it does give a little bit more time with Sirius. I mean, the way that we get Sirius in the book is so different, too. I almost feel like in the movie, while it is a little bit more sweet, it feels more like a precursor to him dying at the end, too. (laughs) So that they have this, like, little warm moment, and then, boom, this is what happens at the end. So there is that. Maybe it gives away a little bit of its cards and stuff. In the picture, Moody and Guinea Dick look exactly the same. In the book, it even said, well, it was clearly Moody, but his nose was intact or something like that. Nope. Well, Same exact act. In the movie, they never, like, made the point to make him look as grizzled as... He is. No, but he's still in that picture. Looks looked literally exactly, exactly the, same. the same. Well, like, you maybe could have spent more time, like, showing us him mm-hmm. and letting him not look as weathered, which you can do, because mm-hmm. the actor does not actually look like that, obviously, you know? Yeah. But they're just like, nah, this is what he looks like, it's fine. Once they get on the train, well, there's a little Voldemort moment, blah, blah, blah. It's like the dream thing that is at the beginning of the chapter, except he's on the Hogwarts Express and he nods off. There is no difference of prefect-ishness. No. Obviously, they meet Draco well, off the train. Right, they get off the train, and then Draco's being like, oh, you should be an ass man. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? I think this is the last movie that we have what's-his-fucking-face as Crab. Yeah, because after this, he doesn't get... Yeah. He got, like, arrested for drugs, drugs or something. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And then they make their way to the carriages. He notices the Thestral, obviously, and that is where we meet Luna. That's where we meet Luna. Oh, Neville's got his cactus. He is, yes. Um, and that's where they see Luna, and she says, don't worry, you're just the same as I am. And mm-hmm. then that's, like, technically the end of this chapter. Yeah. Right. And they look so fucking uncomfortable. They do. Yeah. They don't get into the Thestrals as much in the movies, obviously, but the movie made this very clear choice with Ron and Hermione and Neville being confused as fuck about the Thestrals. Neville can see the Thestrals too. And I think Neville's probably always been able to see them because he saw his grandfather die. Yeah. It's explained later on in this book. And like the choice in the movie, I'm like, he looks just as confused as Ron and Hermione. It's very clear that they were not making the choice that Neville can see them too. I mean, this is one of those instances where they clearly cut corners from the book. Like, and don't. Oh, yeah, they're like, fuck Neville Longbottom's backstory. Like, they've been saying that since book one, honestly. We already talked about how having the Silver Trio here makes so much sense. It's very refreshing. But we don't get any time with Ginny. No. And I I don't like that either. Zero time with Lupin. We only get Tongs just being there. She doesn't say anything. Yeah. We don't get Mrs. Weasley. Like, we don't get these people. Then Ivana Lynch is perfect. Yes. Yes. I think that she is the second most perfectly cast person. 
first one is Maggie Smith. Yes. Thank yeah. you. 100%. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Obviously, there was a good chunk of Luna cut out from the movie of what was in the chapter. And I don't know that it really misses it. They chose the right actor. And because Luna is very important to the story as far as character and character connections. Mm-hmm. But Luna's not actually important to the story. She's not a catalyst for anything other than building Harry's chosen family, which is a whole different part of important and obviously like my favorite things about this series are the friendships. The purpose of Luna is to build Harry's close connections because Luna doesn't really have a character arc but she does bring in this extra level of like we said before she's very refreshing so we don't have to go into her backstory very much. They're capable of making that character pretty clear from the get-go. Unlike what happens with Ginny, especially. Ginny's character is completely obliterated in these movies because she's much more complex and she does have a full arc and we don't get to go through her stuff. I said the same thing about Emma Thompson as Trelawney. I think Mm -hmm. that we don't get a lot of the Trelawney stuff either that's very important. And she is detrimental to the plot. So they fucked that over. But like, you meet her once, you're like, I know what this bitch is about. You know? Now that's interesting to talk about like the purpose of Luna because I went into a little bit more of like, why did they wait until now and stuff? But that's a good point that she really doesn't have an arc per se. Like there isn't really a quote unquote purpose behind her. It makes me think like they do that so many times with other characters. It would have been such a detriment for them to not include Luna in the movies. Exactly. Mm You know, and there's no way like that that would have been okay. Fans would have been like, fucking kidding me. There are lots of characters that don't have an arc. McGonagall doesn't have an arc. She's badass from day one to the last day. Flitwick and Sprout are underutilized, but they also don't have arcs. There's other characters there, but Luna, I think, is the one that gets the most screen time. Now, I will say that Neville's semen plant looks lovely. Exactly how I would have pictured it. The Mimbalist Mimbletonia? Yeah. Exactly. And on that note. Speaking of Luna, 15 to her because it's her chapter. (laughs) It's named after her and Mm -hmm. she's here. And like I said, there are so many times where I'm like, well, they're there, so they get points. See Pomona Sprout and Poppy Pomfrey. (laughs) Also, just her openness is so refreshing. It's something I talked about. And it's a quality of character that we don't necessarily see. Even with, like, Trelawney. Yes, Trelawney is kooky and stuff, but we've talked a lot about issues about Trelawney, too. And she's not here. This is about Luna. 15 points to her. 10 to Neville and Ginny for also being there. They're also supporting Harry. Like, that's another thing. They need this in this moment. You had talked about Ginny being maybe a little bit clued into that. And then I'm also giving plus five to Sirius and Tonks because I did like how they said goodbye. They have a little bit of this cutting the edge of the chaos and discomfort at the beginning of the chapter. And so I'm taking negative 10, obviously, from Draco. Because it's Draco. Mm -hmm. Draco. And I'm taking negative five away from Dumbledore for making these poor prefect decisions because mm-hmm. I don't think I did that in the past. If I did, well, he gets in that mm-hmm. an additional taken away. And I'm also going to give 10 to Tara for saying mibbledis mibbledis very well in oh. Brian's thing. I haven't given you points in a while. Usually I give them to me. So yeah. you're welcome. 10 points to Tara. Thank you. 10 points to Brian for finishing <gasps> catching up on the fucking podcast. Yay, I did it. Congratulations. The next time we are going to be discussing chapter 11, The Sorting Hats. The Sorting Hats new new song. song. New song. I said it. I was part of it. Good job. Brian will be here again. I will. I will still be here. It's a double header with Brian. Yeah. You're welcome, friends. That's right. What if Brian had two heads? I mean...
Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!